0: When Frogger was released in Japan, it was a hit. But like so many other games of its time, there was a lot of hesitation when deciding whether or not it would be a hit with North American audiences. But there was one person who was willing to fight for Frogger and shut down all the critics by reminding them of their past failures. With that stark reminder, she took the opening to ask for a simple request. Give me 60 days frogger was make or break in those 60 days today we're going to be taking a look back at frogger talk about how it came to be talk about one person's fight to bring it to north america and look at all the versions of the game that have been published in its last 40 years so let's get a hop on as we take a leapfrogging trip down memory card lane Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 72nd episode of our Video Game Nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we take a look at one title relevant to the current week of gaming history, and we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, and what it gave back to the world in its legacy. Today, we're looking back at Frogger, released as an arcade cabinet on January 12th, 1981. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who loves to run into traffic, my brother, Rob Casson. Rob, weren't you always taught to look both ways before crossing the street? Yeah, Dave, that's why I haven't gotten hit yet. <laughs> Damn. I, I don't know what I expected from that, but I'll take it. So what'd you play this week? huh
1: well i've been playing a lot of runescape
0: <laughs> how is your hardcore iron man run it's no longer hardcore Oh, it's no longer that's right you lost hardcore status i think by the time we last talked about it
1: uh it might have been like right after yeah because uh the, the buddy got a little overzealous again and died to the same thing that killed him the first time so you know it happens. Just means we got to try again.
0: I've been thinking a lot about because you asked if we want to do it as a group of like four or five of us. And I think that'd be fun. I think we should specialize. I, I know it doesn't matter, but I think in the beginning it'd be best to specialize in certain skilling. Does that make sense? I what mean, some people. Sure,
1: but by the time you can get anywhere to do anything, I'll probably already have been there for a month.
0: Uh, true. <laughs>
1: Uh, but anyway, enough about RuneScape. Uh, this I also got to play a little bit of Rocket League. Uh, I got to win my first Diamond Tournament. Pretty right. exciting. Uh, and then I actually did some Mario Kart. And a very, very, very short amount of Tarkov, in which I died in the first five minutes of the raid. And then quit.
0: Wait, didn't we get to the semifinals in Rocket League and then afterwards you got to, you won in Diamond when I wasn't around? not that what happened? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I suck. No, not at all.
1: You got us to semifinals in the Diamonds. I just happened to get into a twos tournament in Diamonds.
0: Yeah, true statement. Uh, Tarkov, five minutes. Anything out of the ordinary?
1: I mean, normally I can play longer. It would just happened to be tonight and, uh, had to get ready for podcast recording. It just happened to be a very bad raid right before. So gotcha. I found a lot of really good stuff and was excited to get out. Picked a fight with a bunch of scavs and one of them had some pretty good aim.
0: <laughs> Pink dead.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got hit with a good old head jaw. One shot dead. Oh,
0: man. Well, How about
1: yourself, Dave? What you been playing?
0: Rocket League. Thanks to you, RuneScape. It's real easy to just put that Ooh. on the side. I was so I was playing the ascent with my friend the other day. And like every time I had a moment to breathe, I was like, OK, Smith this. OK, I, I was making nails it's like nails, 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 you know, taking a taking a brief moment to, to do that. So thank you for that now multitasking distraction. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Glad so I, I could help. So I played the Ascent, played Rocket League. I tried playing a little bit of uh the uh Township tale on VR, but for whatever reason that night it made me really dizzy really quick. So I got about 10 minutes and then I had to put it down. So I don't ha- I haven't really formed an opinion on it yet. I don't normally get dizzy for VR, so that was kind of weird. I don't know if I was tired that day or any or what. But um I think that's about it i don't think there's anything else didn't you get some Forza? in oh yeah i always get Forza in i always get Forza in because i always play with our friend and get the weeklies in um yeah. i don't know why i still do that i know i'm not gonna be able to keep it up forever but so far i haven't missed a car yet so well,
1: hey you have a lot better car collection than i do
0: i have about we checked the other day i i have about 300 cars left to go i was exactly at like 257 of 557 or something Like that when we checked the other day of course I had a good couple days the past couple days I I rolled a Jesco Yesterday um, And uh, What else I got one other pretty badass Car I don't know You know what the stupid part about it is though What's that Dave I like Forza obviously I'm still Playing it and you like Forza too although You know it's you haven't been as interested In it lately um you win all these cars, but you never use them. You, you know, like, we always race our car. Where you Like, you find a car or two that you like, and you stick to it. And so there's literally hundreds of cars that you'll probably never even use, at least for me.
1: Yeah, um, see, I, Damon and I are pretty good about always forcing ourselves to pick a class and something that maybe we don't do all the time and do a budget build. So we'll buy a car, keep it a certain amount, and then build it up for that amount and Mm. that's uh, how we get to play with
0: a lot of cars i did something stupid this week though Hmm. um there's a vehicle that they require for one of the speed traps that's in the auto show for half a million dollars and i always do the single player stuff first so i I bought it to do the speed trap Mm -hmm. what i did notice is that it's the reward for one of the co-op championships that we all normally do together wow yeah, I know, right? Good, good job, Dave.
1: <laughs> well, you know what, Dave? All that aside, speaking of cars, did you know that's where the idea of Frogger came from?
0: I did, actually. I, I I, did, but did our audience know is really the question, huh? Hmm. Maybe it is.
1: Why don't you tell them about it?
0: So, the idea for Frogger comes from... As Rob said, the place from which so very many good ideas from history have come, the car. I know I listen to my podcast in the car, and that's about it. I listen to my podcast in the car. So Frogger was created by Akira Hashimoto, and he came up with the idea for Frogger while he was waiting at a traffic light for the light to turn green. And while waiting, he saw a frog trying to cross to the other side of the road. The frog couldn't get across because of how busy, you know, all the traffic was. And so Hashimoto stopped his car, pulled over to the side of the road, and he carried the frog across. And while doing so, a light bulb went off in his head and he was given the idea of Frogger. So never, never pass up on opportunities to do things because you'll get your ideas. So at the time, Hashimoto worked for Konami as a game designer and he he went to Konami with this idea and said, hey, I want to make this game. And they said, sure. Now, there's really nothing special about the development of Frogger. It was pretty straightforward. They made it in a reasonable amount of time. And they came up with the idea that you know today. And so Frogger was published in Japan on January 12th, 1981. But Frogger is a worldwide phenomenon that almost wasn't because like so many other games that we've talked about from this era with Japanese game development, there was a whole lot of skepticism about its success in gaming's biggest market, North America. You know, they weren't sure that they were going to bring it over. And the skepticism came from, came from Konami's North American arcade distributor, a company called Sega Gremlin. So we know Sega, of course, but Gremlin's probably new for a lot of you, so let's cover Gremlin for just a second. Gremlin was a company founded all the way back in 1971 as a contract engineering firm by Harry Frank Fogelman and Carl Grindel. They had originally intended to name the company after themselves as Grindelman Industries, but they registered the name over the phone and an employee of the Secretary of State misheard the name and instead incorporated their company as Gremlin Industries. I don't know about you, Rob, but I think Gremlin's way cooler than Grindelman anyways. Yeah, I think so as well. (laughs) Now, Gremlin joined the video game industry in 1976 by releasing its first video arcade title, which was called Blockade. So in Blockade... Uh, Rob, you ever heard of Blockade?
1: I believe... It sounds very familiar, but I couldn't tell you anything about it.
0: Yeah, I don't don't really know if anyone's going to know it by the name Blockade, but it's a game that I promise you almost everyone knows, at least from our generations. So in Blockade, a player uses four directional buttons to move their character around, turning at a 90-degree angle and leaving a solid line behind them. And in order to win you have to last longer than your opponent before one of you hits something. So it's um, basically Tron. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, it actually is Tron. But Tron and Blockade is the first of what would later be known as the Snake games, which were made popular by Nokia phones in the late 90s. Which, I mean, I guess it's a little early for you, but you know what oh. Snake is, don't you?
1: Yeah, I've
0: played Snake. Yeah, so I think a lot of people have has played Snake, Uh, If you grew up a little bit before the smartphone era, Snake was on like every single phone back in the day. So we've all played a Snake game, and Blockade was literally the first ever Snake game before it was known as just Snake. And that's about Gremlin's only claim to fame. In 1978, Gremlin was acquired by Sega and began releasing all their games under the label of either Sega Gremlin or Gremlin Sega, with a dash between the names... It's really varied. I don't think anyone paid attention. Um, And yeah. So after the acquisition, they began to release titles from obviously both Sega and other Japanese companies. One game of which we've discussed in a previous episode. So Sega Gremlin was one of the North American distributors for Nintendo's Space Firebird. Rob, do you remember us talking about Space Firebird at all?
1: I cannot say that I do, Dave.
0: Well, that's a shame because we probably only talked about it for 30 seconds and I expect you to know everything.
1: Oh, OK. I thought we did a whole episode and I was just forgetting. I was like, damn, my memory is really bad.
0: <laughs> so Space Firebird was an early arcade game made by the dynamic Nintendo duo of Genyo, Takita and Shigeru Miyamoto which we did talk about those, the games that those two did together. Yes. yes, Yes. So, and this is one of the early ones during this time, Sega Gremlin also produced their own games. Among these games was a 1978 action arcade game called frogs. Now frogs was a fairly simple game. You control a frog who's on lily pads and you attempt to catch various insects with the frog's tongue while jumping through the air. Different insects are worth different number of points, which you all have to collect within a set amount of time. Now, frogs has obviously—I've never heard of it before. Research. Have you ever heard of frogs before? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I've seen I, tadpoles grow. I up. mean, who hasn't heard of frogs? I mean, come exactly. on, man, come on, come on, frogs. It does deserve some place in history, though, because it came out in 1978 and it featured a jumping character. And this was three years before what the gaming industry typically recognizes as the first character who could jump, which was Mario and Donkey Kong. And yet here we are. We have frogs, which beat it by a whole three years, Um, which is kind of interesting. I mean, jumping is its movement. I think the fact that why we look at Mario as a platform game with a jumping mechanic is because jumping is an addition to his move set and not his not his move set if that makes sense. Yeah, it's
1: a- another mode of travel.
0: Yeah, so it's it's literally an an addition to the gameplay where literally in frogs jumping was your thing. So, I mean that's why we typically look at Donkey Kong as the first game with a jumping mechanic because this you're, this one may the frog may jump but that's how you move so but still it was technically the first game that had a jumping character in it so i mean you guess you get that claim to fame hmm. also it's really not known because it was an absolute flop and nobody played it nobody wanted to play it and it's clones because every game got cloned back then Uh, one example was called Frog Bog for the Intellivision, which I'm pretty sure is somewhere in that house that you're in right now. Um, Those clones are much more widely known. Yeah, I can't say I've heard of that either. Yeah, it's okay. Frog Bog. eh. But the thing of it is, is when the opportunity to license another game about frogs came to Sega Gremlin, they just weren't about it. At the time, they were working on developing a multi-directional shooter space combat game Called Eliminator, and this was widely thought this was going to be their next big hit. Now Eliminator is kind of cool. Eliminator was like a, a a you know we've talked about those tabletop arcades before. Yeah. So Eliminator was a four, four person tabletop with vector graphics, and it was like a shooter type game. And in fact, it eventually they would come out with Eliminator, and Eliminator is the only four person vector arcade title known known period it's the only four person vector title so eliminator does have a little bit of notoriety you know and so they would continue to work on eliminator in the meanwhile they were still looking for new games to license and distribute and at some point a market researcher for the company one elizabeth falconer was tasked with going through gremlin's library of video presentations to see if the next greatest thing was in it in in their in their library and Falconer stumbled across Frogger. And she loved it. It, it, was, it appealed to her. It was fun. She loved it. She wanted to play. She, wa- she thought that it was going to be their next big thing. So she brought Frogger to her bosses and asked them if the game had even been reviewed. But learned at that meeting that they were not willing to take a chance. Because it's basic gameplay and cute presentation were not thought to sell very well. Still, Elizabeth Falconer fought for Frogger. She argued that they were wrong and that the game deserved a chance. And so she requested a licensing window of 90 days to playtest the game, which would be a really small investment on the company's part to prove her right or wrong. And what she was told was that the request would be granted if she could personally convince the, the, the owners of Gremlin, Gremlin's management the, the company that owned Gremlin um, it, to, to do it, basically. Now, at the time, Sega Gremlin was owned by Paramount, like Paramount Pictures Paramount. Um, and so she requested a meeting with the executives of Paramount, who owned Gremlin at the time, which was granted. And she opened the meeting by passing out booklets that highlighted Frogger's gameplay and sales potential. One of the executives at the meeting Jack Gordon tossed the book back and stated that Frogger had already been rejected because it was a woman and kids game. So let's, but, let's stop there for a second. Do you think Frogger can, do you understand where that comes from? Do you see Frogger as a woman and kids game? I mean, I, I guess if,
1: if you're talking that it's simplistic and I don't mean that like saying women, but I'm saying children for sure. Like simplistic games, Maybe better when you're younger because you can play and not need to have fine motor control, but I mean Frogger is still not exactly an easy game. I mean I guess I haven't played it in a while, so I maybe it's easier yeah. than I remember, but
0: it's I don't think it's that easy personally.
1: I was gonna say it's it's a pretty tough game when you play it, but I guess just the concept itself can sound very simple.
0: True. Very true. Well, I think a lot of those old games were very simple, but that's also what made them really difficult. It's um, also what made them really difficult. Yeah, so that's fair. Alright, so back at the meeting, Jack Gordon tosses the book, says "Nah, uh woman and kids game. Well, she was ready for that. So Elizabeth snapped back uh, and, and basically told the executives off. She speculated that the executives sitting before her were also among the ones that had turned down Pac-Man. And she told him so. And that made the room go absolutely silent. And so she used this opportunity. She had their attention. She used this opportunity to explain to the room why Frogger was appealing. It had easily memorizable patterns. The game was aesthetically attractive. And it had a very catchy soundtrack. And she closed out her arguments with a simple request. She wanted to test a prototype to gauge player player reactions. And afterwards, the room was silent. Elizabeth thought that, fine, I lost. There there was no chance that I was going to get, you know, this game made. Where one of the other executives piped up and told the group to let her have her goddamn kids game. I mean, she did shut the whole room up, so. She did. I mean, come on, how good is that? Look, you idiots. You turned down Pac-Man, and look how that turned out. Right, you know, like I mean, that's that's a damn good argument. Like, what do oh, you? Oh, it is. What do you know? You know, yeah.
1: You just you can't. Yeah,
0: you know, that's and, so, it. <laughs> and so with that, I guess blessing. I mean, whatever you want to call it, she got permission, which is what she t- was told to do. Psychogremlin Gremlin went back to Konami, and they worked out a licensing deal in which they would pay approximately about thirty five hundred dollars a day. For a sixty-day licensing window, um, which was a, I, I feel like is a lot of money back in nineteen eighty-one, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little, a little bit. So shortly thereafter, they received the programming chips from Konami, the EPROMs, and they engineered them into a prototype cabinet, which would become a North American version of Frogger. This prototype was taken to a bar in San Diego called Spanky's Saloon. I, okay. Yep. great name. And here at Spanky's Saloon, it was play tested by bar patrons, which were admittedly mostly made up of men. And as it turns out, Frogger was a good game. Right? Among drunk men, among nice. drunk, among drunk men at Spanky's Saloon. Makes sense. With its play Gremlin's sales team was impressed by all the attention that Frogger received, and with the data in hand, they were able to easily convince buyers to purchase Frogger cabinets at the next distribution show. And well, the rest is history. And that's why we're here talking about it. So the game, Rob, you said it's been a while since you played Frogger, right? Yep. Well, if any of you listening have never played Frogger, allow me to describe the game. In each game, you have to get from the bottom of the screen to the top. And at the top, there are empty frog homes, they're called, which are basically just empty squares at the top of the screen. You can move in all four directions with a joystick. And the frog starts out at the bottom of the screen. Um, So you're at the very bottom. Now, just above you is a long stretch of horizontal road that's occupied by cars, trucks, and bulldozers. And your first goal is to get across the road without getting splatted by a car. I guess that's the way it goes, right? Yeah, basically. Once you cross the road, there's a median uh in the middle of the screen, and this median separates the road from a river. In order to cross the river, you have to jump on swiftly moving logs or jump on the backs of turtles or alligators. While crossing the river, you have to avoid snakes, you have to avoid otters, and you have to avoid the open mouth of alligators. And then once you cross the river, you have to jump into one of the empty squares at the top, which is one of the frog homes. In the basic game, there are four quote-unquote frog homes, and you have to fill all four before you run out of lives. Now, one of the fun facts about Frogger is that when it first came out, Softline Magazine stated that Frogger has earned the ominous distinction of being the arcade game with the most ways to die. Because there were a lot of different ways to lose a life. You could get hit by a car. You could run into a car. You could jump into the water. You could run into snakes. You could run into otters or fall into alligators jaws. You could jump into a home that was invaded by an alligator because occasionally those empty blocks at the top weren't empty. Um, you You could stay on top of a turtle until it's submerged and therefore you would fall in the water and drown. You could ride a log um, off the screen, which would cause you to die. You could ride an alligator or ride a turtle off the side of the screen, which would cause you to die. You could jump into a home that already had a frog in it because you had to jump into an empty frog home. That would also kill you. Um, You could also jump into the side of the home, or you can jump into a bush, or you could just simply run out of time. So there were a lot of ways that you could... You could... um, you could kill yourself in Frogger. And that was one of the things that people really liked about it is it just felt like there was a lot of variety because of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a lot of ways today. <laughs> uh, I actually didn't know about the fact that the homes could be having, uh, I think you said like a, alligator. an alligator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see two little like green jaws pop up in the frog, the empty frog home square, and they just kind of move like the, the alligators opening, closing its mouth. And you just have to wait until the alligator not there to jump into the home. So
1: I don't know that I'd have ever seen that.
0: Hmm. Well, Rob, was the executive right? Was Frogger just a failure of a game that appealed only to women and children? Clearly.
1: <laughs> Very clearly. The game did not take off and uh, hmm.
0: do well for for anyone. Nope. nope. No,
1: he was dead wrong.
0: He was dead wrong. He was dead wrong. Why was he dead wrong?
1: Because Frogger is a fun game.
0: It is. And what does it have the distinction of being? Uh, Dig real deep for
1: me. Where where am I digging? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. As I said, he was dead wrong. He was, yes. Frogger was one of the top grossing arcade games in North America in 1981. Mm Mm-hmm. It actually earned over $135 million in U.S. cabinet sales, which made it the absolute best-selling title that Sega Gremlin ever released. And the critics loved it too, many of which were not women and children. Computer and video games reviewed the arcade game in 81. They called it one of the popular new generation of arcade games which are getting way from space themes. In his 1982 book, Steve Bloom described Frogger as a climbing game, along with Space Panic and Nintendo's Donkey Kong. It's, he said it was one of the most exciting variations on Pac-Man's maze theme, along with Donkey Kong, due to how players need to scale from the bottom of the screen to the top, which make them more like obstacle courses than mazes, since you always know that you're going up. Brett Allen Weiss of All Game later reviewed the arcade game, calling it one of the most beloved video games ever created, and pure, undiluted gaming at its finest. He said the graphics are cute and detailed, the sound effects are crisp and clear, and the controls are sharp and responsive. Yep. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. And other gamers loved it too. Did you know that, Dave? I... I did. Oh, well, well, I'm glad you knew that. I'm uh, quite glad you knew that. <laughs> so, users such as C. Keen the Great on Mobi Games write that, for some odd reason, I didn't have high expectations for this game, even though I was aware of its classic status. However, after playing it, I was thankfully proven wrong, as this is arguably one of the best arcade games ever made. I found myself coming back to this game many times, but then again, each play session lasts for about five minutes. This certainly isn't the next Final Fantasy, so don't expect to spend hours and hours on this game. Then again, that's arcade gaming for you.
0: That's true, actually. I mean, but arcade gaming was designed around getting more money, so they the, they the play sessions were intentionally made short, so you'd have to put another quarter in to get more money. I mean... I, my experience with Frogger was admittedly on a PlayStation,
1: so I, I didn't really know it was an arcade game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it makes sense now why. Uh, yeah, no, it makes a lot more sense. And, you know, I hadn't really ever put too much thought as growing up as why arcade games were short. And it's obviously knowing now as an adult to make money. So it makes sense the way that they were done now, looking back on all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, Sea Keen's not the only one. User Koteikis on Mobile Games writes that obviously Konami failed to realize that frogs are amphibians, meaning that they can live and breathe underwater and program the game in such a way that falling into the river means loss of life. Don't let that stop you from enjoying a simple, addictive game. The game is so successful that it inspired several games that still retain the Frogger name. Yeah. 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 And last up, we have user Forever Sport on Moby Game who recalls that in those days, we all thought this game was perfect and could play it for hours, even after months. The
0: only complaint?
1: There was no sequel.
0: But there were sequels, Rob. That there were, Dave. It's been 40 years, and there have been a whole slew of Frogger video games, just none that were ever really released as an arcade cabinet. You know, in fact, the first Frogger sequel would come three years later in 1984. Parker Brothers would release Frogger 2, 3 Deep, which is essentially the same game, except each level consists of three consecutive screens as opposed to just a single one. So your frog home weren't at the top. It would, it would scroll up to another screen. And then on the third one, you would have your frog homes. So a lot more roads and rivers to cross. And then we wouldn't see another Frogger game until 97 in which Frogger was released for the PlayStation, which, Rob, you just talked about. Yep. What do you remember about PlayStation Frogger?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I remember that it was Frogger. I remember playing and trying to get to the other side. Uh, there really is not much to remember. It's just one of the first games
0: that uh, I remember playing
1: for it's PlayStation.
0: True. Yep. And I know I, you're right. I know we have it. It's one of those games that sits there. So I can I can second that. Um, now, PlayStation Frogger is an expansion of the original arcade game. It sports levels that have larger maps. It has updated graphics that are rendered in 3D, and it has some additional gameplay moves, not just the up, down, left, right. Um I think there were diagonals, and he probably had a special jump, if I'm not mistaken. Now, PlayStation Frogger was actually a smashing commercial success, and it sold over 3.5 million copies, which makes it the 27th best-selling title for the PlayStation. Wow. Right? You wouldn't expect that out of a Frogger title, would you? No. I was surprised when I saw that, too. Uh, They made a sequel to that Frogger called Frogger 2. They ditched the original style of Frogger and the gameplay of Frogger 2 was closer to that of a traditional platformer as opposed to, you know, your 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 normal obstacle course game. The mm-hmm. series took a complete leap in the platformer direction in 2001 with Frogger the Great Quest, which, were, which was released for PlayStation 2. There is a whole action adventure style series of Frogger titles, uh, including Frogger's Adventure, The Temple of Frog, Frogger's Journey, The Forgotten Relic, and Frogger's Adventures, The Rescues. And then there are all these odd ones that, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about franchises and games, and they all seem to have some weird ones in the middle, don't they?
1: yeah, they Cause, always do.
0: yeah, because sometimes they get a, a uh, they get a a weird franchise, like a licensee and and that's it. then they just kind of milk that for all it's worth. Uh, one of them was called My Frogger Toy Trials, which was a series of mini games released for the Nintendo DS. and then Frogger would return to the arcades uh, with a game called Frogger's Hop Trivia, which is obviously a trivia title. That's Frogger themed. Um, I I mean, it doesn't ask Frogger questions, but, you know, I I don't know why they would pick Frogger as a trivia theme. But hey, they did. They did it. They did it. They did. There is a title called Frogger's Beat and Bounces, Beats and Bounces, which is uh, an action rhythm game. And I mean, there are any other of titles released as a Frogger game. And, you know, we talked in the beginning of this uh, when we were talking about arcade titles and how there were clones, how the original Frogs had Frog Bog for the Intellivision, and Frogger is no stranger to clones either. Frogger had uh, Ribbit for the Apple II, Uh, Acornsoft made Hopper for the BBC Micro, Uh, someone completely pilfered the name, ANF Software made Frogger flat-out for the BBC Micro, which was not licensed by these guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Frogger was also used... Froggy was the name used for it in the ZX Spectrum. Um, And Frogger, again, was used on the Sharp MZ700. You know, there were also clones that retained the gameplay of Frogger while they changed the art style and plot. In the Atari 8-bit family, there's a game called Pacific Coast Highway. Which splits the gameplay into two alternating screens: one straight highway and one straight water. Also, in the Atari 8-bit family, you had a game called Preppy, which changes the frog to a pre- to a preppy, uh, a frog wearing prep stuff who retrieves it- golf balls at a country club. Okay. Uh well, not be- well, because preppy are people that like wear that like wear. I, I know
1: what preppy is.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm just saying that's that's an
1: interesting interesting take on it.
0: The Atari 2600 had a game called Frostbite, which uses the Frogger River gameplay but has an Arctic theme. Um, and then we actually have a very recent game that uses the same the same theory, and that's Crossy Road, which was kind of a, a smash hit on the iPhone on all the phones iPhone, Android, Windows Phone back in like I don't know 2013, 2014, somewhere in there can't say i ever got into that frogger's also been in other forms of media uh in 1983 frogger had a segment on the saturday cartoon lineup frogger worked as an investigative reporter (laughs) i know right (laughs) okay (laughs) frogger you know we talked about this i think with pac-man but frogger was also in the Wreck It ralph games Our movies, rather. Um, In 2006, a group in Austin, Texas, used a modified Roomba dressed as Frogger to program and play a real-life version of the game. Uh, With cars they knew? That's a great question. I didn't look into it, but now I'm fascinated. We'll have to find out afterwards. (laughs) And, 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 in case, in case... I didn't find it but there is there is a there is there is a Frogger game show that's in that's Ooh. that's that's in development right now. The competition will feature 12 different obstacle courses dubbed crossings, forcing contestants to dodge treacherous traffic leap over snapping gators and hop over hungry hippos to conquer the course. Wow. Right. And you can, I don't know if they're still taking applications for, uh, for contestants, but it says that the, it says on the article I pulled up that the shows recorder recruiters are looking for folks that have a love for Frogger, the eighties and any particular physical or mental skill that could help you compete for, uh, for money. (laughs) <laughs> there you go there you Sign go you up, dave so, sounds yeah, like you all day I, I know i know so yeah so uh frogger is uh Frogger's still relevant fogger's still relevant like most of these arcade games they're still uh working on they're still working on records and everything in fact the first person and the only person still that has ever broken a million points in Frogger only did so 4 years ago in 2017 well, it'd be four oh. years ago it was august of 2017 so wow prior to that um prior to that the record was 970,000 points in 2012 and it took them 5 more years to break a million so they're still working on it but yeah Frogger it's still i wouldn't say it's still kind of a thing I don't think Frogger has ever been on here's my problem. Frogger is recognizable. I think a lot of people know what Frogger is, but I don't think it was ever maybe aside from when it, you know, the arcade cabinet was the best selling arcade cabinet, but in the modern era, I don't think Frogger has ever been an elite tier video game with the star power of Pac-Man or Mario or, or anything from that era. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it makes sense. All the games that really happened after 2000 were most of those like little DS titles. And there's never really been a a mainstream title released for Frogger since then. I think maybe it had one Xbox Live Arcade title that was released. And the rest of them were all like either iOS titles or DS titles or little Hoppy Beats and you know whatever on the arcades type deal but there's never really been another frogger game they could probably do something really cool with frogger these days maybe not i don't know i don't know maybe
1: like a 3d frogger you have to go up and down too Ooh.
0: i think they 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 actually did have a 3d 3d frogger no joke there's literally a title called frogger 3d that came out for the nintendo ds in 2011 and uh some of the places that you go to in Frogger 3D include uh, New York, the Casino, Military Island, the Far East, and something called the Pseudo Dimension. And in case you wanted to know, the game does support four-player wireless multiplayer. Ooh. But yeah, so there literally was a uh, one. Um, well, I'll be damned. They actually did come out with one two years ago. So if you subscribe to Apple Arcade... There's there's a game on there and uh, uh called Frogger in Toy Town. And when the new Intellivision comes out, it's supposed to have Frogger on it. So we'll actually get a new updated Frogger on the uh, Intellivision Amico whenever it finally is released. So. Fun fact,
1: fun fact. I actually didn't know there was going to be a new Intellivision.
0: You didn't know, there was going to be an Intellivision Amico.
1: Nope had no idea
0: There may never be a television Amico It was first announced back in like 2018 And it's been delayed Quite a few times The last time it was talked about was like August of last year Where they said they had to push the release date again With no ETA on No ETA You know what's really fascinating So The uh, president of the current in television Is Tommy Tallarico Do you know who Tommy Tallarico is?
1: can't say that i do dave he, he
0: have you ever watched the video games live the like video game concerts no oh all right well he's he's pretty known for those he he produced those he's a pretty well-known modern composer for video game music um mm. he's done in the modern era he's done uh he he worked on guitar hero 2 he did the sound for Advent Rising. He's done the sound for uh, a Sonic title, um, a game called Devastation, uh, one of the Oddworld games, a Spider-Man game. Uh, he he he's a he's kind of all over the place for um, for video game uh, for video game stuff. So Spider-Man, 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 Spider-Man. He also worked on a Prince of Persia. He did the he did the music adaptation for the Game Boy version when they brought it to the Game Boy. I know we talked about uh, we talked about that recently. We talked about Cool Spot too, the uh, like Seven Up type game. Um, he did the music on that one. Uh, he's kind of all over the place, all over the place. But um, I think what he's known for pretty well now is there's a series of video game concerts called Video Games Live. You can get a lot of them on. Uh, like either as a soundtrack, or I have actually two of them on Blu-ray, the first two, and he he plays like guitar, um, you know, and and stuff, and and directs in it. So Tommy Talarico, yep, Tommy Talarico, Tommy Talarico, you might recognize him if you ever see him. He's all over the place. Anyway, that's uh that's Frogger. That it is. Any, anything I mean I look I, I don't think I talked very much I played Frogger I played Frogger on the Atari I played Frogger on the PlayStation I haven't played any of these modern ones I picked it up again to, you know for this episode's reminder I'm no better at it now than I was then mostly because I don't have the patience that's it's just that simple I don't have the patience so true uh, yeah I'm not good at games that, that I'm not good at games that you need you need patience which is why I suck at, at stealth games. So, but um, it's, uh, I think, like we say every week, it's worth a try. I mean, you could literally go on 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 uh, Google and just type Frogger, and there are free to play versions of Frogger literally on Frogger.net. You can go on there and you can play the original Frogger. That's it, just right there. So, go, go play Frogger. Or maybe Frogger clones on Frogger.net. But go play them. Anyway. Go play them. 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 I'll post a link on our website. www.memorycardlane.com I'll also post the show notes. They have all my research for today. If you would like to take a look at uh, more about Frogger. Some of the games. I'll remember to post the uh, bio for Tommy too. Um, just some some random notes. Rob, I'll, I'll also post the uh, Intellivision Amico link if you ever want to go check that out. Do you, right. you ever go to our website? Do you ever go to our website? Every once in a while. Nice, uh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, nice. yeah you got to keep up on it. make sure that you haven't forgotten to do something. That's very true. Also, on our website, you can find our biographies. You can find links to our old episodes. Last week, we did an episode on RuneScape. We'll talk about next week in just a moment, but we have 71 other episodes for you to check out. You can find a link to our Patreon. You can find a link to join us on our Discord. You can also find a link to our social media. I am in various places as David is wrong. Rob, where can we find you? Twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z Yes, we play together as the Fat Boys, because we're all kind of chunky, because we sit on our butts playing video games all the time, so. Yeah. Join the Fat Boys. Come play with us. And that will do it every single week as we talk about at the top. We try to teach you something new about the game. What it took from the world as its inspiration. What it gave or what it gave back to the world as its legacy we talked about both very specifically this week and so as part of that process we go round table and we talk about our biggest takeaway from each episode rob what did you learn today
1: well dave for one i did learn that there could be alligators in the hidey hole (laughs) that's very true Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I guess, I don't know. I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, to be fair, I did not know that Frogger had started as an arcade game. Having started on PlayStation, that's, you know, I never looked back into the history of it to learn that it uh, hadn't started as that. Um, And, you know, the whole it's a woman and children's game concept is kind of funny to me because,
0: I don't know, I guess I just never really saw that. You know, and what's really funny is that if you go back and you listen to our episode on Pac-Man, you'll find out that Pac-Man was literally designed to appeal to women and children. And that's how it was sold And here we have a game that was almost quite literally blacklisted for the very same reason. You know?
1: Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then they probably should have started marketing more games towards women and children sooner because clearly those ones that they deemed to be were the most popular. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, that's the way it goes. And someone someone fought for Frogger, took a chance, and it, it ended up turning out Frogger is... Frogger is one of the longest running franchises out there, you know, since it got its start in 1981. Um, Yeah. Well, I did not know that Frogger Lily got its start from a frog crossing the road, and that little tidbit of information kind of cracks me up. To be honest with you, it's. uh, I mean, yeah, quite literally, that's how it got its start. Was from some dude saw a frog unable to cross the road, so he got out and he helped it across, and then he's like. God damn, that's a video game. And yeah, made, I
1: you know? I would not have uh thought of that either. Honestly, I thought it was a little more. Uh, yeah, it's crazy what some people can come up with from such a
0: small idea. Well, I mean, we talked about Pokemon, and that was bugs crawling on a stick. You know, uh, true. Yeah, I like I said, people. Some people are just super creative. I know it's super cool where where we find out some of these come from. I mean, really. Dude helped a frog cross the road and he was like, hey, guys, I let me let me tell you about my commute today. I have I got a story to tell you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I think I think I've got the next greatest video game because of it. <laughs> all right, dude. All right. All right, dude. Whatever. Yeah, can you imagine the
1: frog hanging out with all his friends being like, hey, you see <laughs> that? That's because that guy helped me cross the road one day. <laughs>
0: I know that frog, that frog has no idea how famous he is. No idea. Oh man. I just, I just love it. I love it. Some, so okay, Akira, whatever we get it. You helped the frog cross the road. You're so kind and generous. Yay. (laughs) Oh, it's so dumb, but yeah, it is so, so, so dumb, but that's it. All right, Rob. Well, before I take it out of here, what else do you have for today?
1: As always, I want to just take a moment to say thank you to all of our listeners. We love it. We hope you do too. And if not, well, that sucks. You don't have to listen, but we enjoy those that you do.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, also thank you from me. We're enjoying this. If you have listened this far, One thing I do ask is uh, we could we could use your your opinion, Uh, you know, hop on that local wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a rating and give us some feedback and, you know, get the word out to your friends about us. We've been doing that for this for 72 episodes now We're we've been at it for a while. We're not going anywhere. And and it's always nice to hear from people about ways we could do things better. Right. 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 Dave. All right. So I'm going to take it out of here. So (laughs) next week, we're going to take a look at what is another one of those games that's on the list of absolute worst games of all time. No joke. Hmm. So the action 52 is an unlicensed multi-cart video game compilation developed by active enterprises for the Nintendo entertainment system in 1991. It has 52 games that cover a variety of genres, uh, including vertical shooters, platformers, and etc. Most of the games, though, have major glitches or programming flaws. Some of them freeze or crash, uh, and there are other issues that include incomplete levels, endless levels, confusing designs, or unresponsive controls. And we're going to take a look at some of our favorites and how messed up they actually are. Now, if Action 52 sounds a little bit familiar, one gem that came out of it is the featured game of Action 52 that we've briefly referenced before called the Cheetah Men. So the Cheetah Men was intended to launch a multimedia franchise and compete with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Rob, do you think it lived up to the expectations?
1: uh yeah dave haven't you watched saturday cartoons with cheetah Uh men with the cheetah yeah
0: exactly you're gonna laugh when we actually look at saturday morning cartoons with the cheetah men next week so oh
1: my goodness
0: oh yeah all right so join us again next week as we look at action 52 and take a, a glitchy filled trip it's glitchy it's it's broken it's incomplete so we're gonna take an incomplete trip down memory card lane do the thing
1: Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wah.